Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Madison, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMadison.com. Heavenly Father, even as you already are, Lord, we ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit even more upon the worship of your people this morning. We come to set before you a, a sacrifice. Let our prayers like incense rise before you, Lord, in our songs of praise. And we pray now that you would hover over your word and make it be to us quick and active and alive and sharp. All this we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, 2020 has brought a lot of changes to the church. You know that. A lot of obstacles is, what I, is kind of the word that I've been thinking about. All the obstacles uh, the church, just church life has received this year and forced us to do things differently. So we've had Eucharist in the park in small batches where you had to have a reservation. So there's like five things in that sentence that are weird. Uh, we've worshiped in living rooms significantly and on computer screens, which as Anglicans, we like adamantly disagree with. And yet here we are. Um, today we're having a baptism in a backyard, maybe even a garage, which is awesome. More on that later. And these things are new to us in many ways. Um, but we were having this conversation. Carrie Rice, one of our parishioners, said this. I've heard this similar. Pastors in the city have said this this week, that these things are new to us as 21st century Christians, but they are not new to the church. They're new to us. They're not new to the history of Jesus's body. I know that kind of sounds like a dust statement, you know, like, yeah, the church has had obstacles, but that has just been such a water, splash of water in the face for me. In mission, in community, and in worship, kind of the three, like, if the church had three lungs, I know people don't have three lungs, but whatever, <laughs> stretching the analogy, those would be them. Mission, community, and church, the church has always faced obstacles, big ones, obstacles way worse than the ones we're facing, ones that even cost people their lives. And in the face of those obstacles, the church has always proven herself tenacious and creative. And those are the two words that I want our church to focus on this fall. Um, last year, if you came on our church retreat, kind of the vision was depth, to have a depth of a discipleship and relationship in our faith, a deepening of our faith, a deepening of our relationships with one another. We felt like our roots needed to grow as wide as our branches. That was kind of the focus last year. And if I was going to give our church, and I feel like the Lord is giving our church some vocabulary for the fall of 2020, it is tenacity and creativity. Uh, I'm never on social media, and our church, church's social media presence is kind of weak. We might make it stronger, right? Uh, but if it was, that would be a hashtag. Hashtag tenacious and creative. Okay, what does that mean? The word tenacious can be defined as this. Here's three great definitions for, ten for tenacity, for the word tenacious. Not readily relinquishing a position, a principle, or a course of action. Determined. Here's another one. Persisting in existence. Not easily dispelled. Here's another one ability or willingness to carry on despite danger, difficulty, or obstacle. So you don't give up. You don't quit. You're firm. You're fixed in the best sort of way. Tenacious 
It's a good adjective. It's not a bad one like obnoxious or strong-willed. It's a good one. You know what creative means, but when I say creative, what I'm talking about in context of the church and history is having the imagination and the originality and the freedom to adapt, to think of new ways to do things, to see an obstacle and not be so set in your ways that you can't budge. The church is utterly creative. So to call the church tenacious and creative is to say that throughout history, there have been so many moments where the church should have utterly been snuffed out should have ceased to exist then and there, where Christian community and practice should have come to an end, and yet she has proven remarkably tenacious. Oh my gosh, how is the church still alive after this century, after this scandal, after this corruption in the church? How in the world are people still a part of this? And creative, oh my word, I can't believe the church just did that, or pioneered this, or was the tip of this cultural social sphere. And I think this plays out in the three main areas, like we said, mission, community, and worship. Last week, we chatted about mission. And if you'll allow me, I want to kind of like retroactively make that a part of our next two Sundays, which is on community this morning. And then next week is going to be about worship, about the creativity and tenacity of word and sacrament. So this week is on community. How has the community of the people of God been tenacious and creative, people meeting together and doing life together. I want to begin at the beginning in the story of the Old Testament and the people of Israel. Um, as we studied this summer in the book of Genesis, God's great plan to redeem and restore our world was always to create a people through Abraham, whom he would bless and through whom the entire world would be blessed. So God's plan of redemption and transformation and salvation which now is even affecting you and coming to you, had to do with a group of people who stayed together, who had a common bond. And this community, the people of Israel, remember, was to embody. They were to be the, as I've heard this week, the 3D manifestation and prophecy of God in the world. So the people was that. They were a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, and therefore Israel's existence itself just the people being together with this unique distinction and holiness about them was a threat to evil. Just the fact that they were together was a threat to evil itself. And that is why we see constant opposition to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Because evil wants to break them up, right? Sin wants to drive them apart. Um, I just love the example of this in our reading from Exodus that Susan read. Um, Egypt was like the incubator for Israel's growth and their distinction in many ways. And I love how as they're getting bigger and they're getting more distinct from the people of Egypt, Egypt starts freaking out and they're like, we need to tamp these people down. But do you notice what it says? Pharaoh says, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And then an amazing verse. And this is, just think about this for the story of the Old Testament. Verse 12 says, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, the more they spread abroad, and the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So Egypt tried to stop Israel from growing. They tried to snuff out its distinction, and we know how that ended for them. And that is the story of Israel. Because God was with the people of Israel, they were not so easily dispelled. This goes on through the Old Testament. 
they suffer, they're taken into exile. All this stuff happens to them, disease, famine, even infighting and sin from within the people of Israel. Every type of threat to their communal life together happened. And yet at the end, you're like, oh my gosh, how is Israel still in existence? Um, they persisted. And I'm not the first person to use this analogy. I know it's kind of, uh, it sounds like it's not, uh, you know, a helpful thing to say. However, I think it's totally true to say they're kind of a blessed or holy cockroach. Um, they do not die. You know, like my brother lives in downtown New Orleans and uh, I'm going to extend the cockroach, cockroach analogy here, but it's like in the end of like a nuclear apocalypse, there's still cockroaches. It's like nothing kills these things. And after the Babylonian exile, you're like, how is Israel still in existence? Uh, after all these different things, they just keep on going and they persist. And it keeps on going into the New Testament. So the New Testament continues this same story as Jesus establishes in his church, which didn't just include Jews, even though it certainly did, but it also, through the gospel, all tribes and tongues and nations were invited into this people, this group. And we'll see how the blessed holiness of the weed or the cockroach continues. Nothing can stop these people from growing. One of the first glimpses we get in the, of the church is in Acts 2. And there we learn that one of the things that the church was devoted to, Acts 2 says, was the fellowship. The fellowship. So Acts 2 verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. In other words, the church wasn't just committed to a teaching or practice, like a way or a philosophy. One of the things they were committed to was the community itself. They were committed to the communal life. And we know this because Acts says that their priority was day by day, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So they were both devoted to the worship and the practices of their faith, but they were also devoted to the community. It was both things. This was not, I'm a member at a church and it's like a nice part of my life. This was something else entirely. They were devoted to the fellowship. They fought for it. Because just like the people of Israel, that remember the people of Israel and their bond and their distinction and their unity was the way that God was going to bless the world. And it was the same for the church. And when they came together as many members in one body, in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, they assaulted the gates of hell just by their being together. Did you hear Jesus? Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. It was through their community like Israel that God was changing the world. And it was through their community that they were upheld. The people in that early church suffered far worse persecutions than we have. And their common bond together is what gave them the ability to continue on and hold fast. So you can see, because of that truth, why the devil would want to break them up and throw obstacles at them. And that's exactly what happens in the New Testaments. New Testaments. There's not multiple New Testaments. Um, persecutions, droughts, famines, empires and institutions of all sorts are trying to break them up, infighting from within. So many obstacles. And yet, in prisons scattered across Asia and the ancient world, they persisted. They even grew and flourished in the middle of all this. So in their devotion to the fellowship, they showed immense tenacity. They kept at it and they showed immense creativity. 
the early church did not need huge institutions or gorgeous buildings or anything like that to flourish. When you read the book of Acts, you just see them just popping up in the most random places. Uh, Paul and his buddies will start holding a worship service in a prison as they're suffering. And then other people are added to their number in prison. So they're nimble. Again, that blessed, I wish there was a greater animal that I knew that wasn't as demeaning as a cockroach, but it's that blessed ability to just, they continue. How in the world is the church still alive? They literally killed the leader. They put the leader of these people to death. The Roman Empire, other people who were against the early church, it's like, how is this exploding? How is this continuing to grow in the middle of all this? And we have a beautiful, beautiful snapshot of this tenacity and creativity in our reading from 1 Thessalonians that Matthew read. And this is the main scripture I want us to feast on this morning. So grab your Bible. And if this is the first time you've queued into our live stream, I really do want you to grab your Bible. Because more important than what I have to say this morning about any of this is what the Bible says. And I want to give you this passage from 1 Thessalonians just as a meditation for this week. So we're going to 1 Thessalonians. It's in the New Testament. It's kind of in the back. Uh, if you're new to the scriptures, there's always a um, table of contents at the front. 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be starting in chapter 2, verse 17. Okay, so this is a letter, and the background of this letter is that Paul, the Apostle Paul, and Timothy and Silas, three guys who were doing missionary work together, had done some awesome missionary work in this town called Thessalonica, and some people there had believed the gospel, and as a result, a new little church plant was born, not unlike Christ Church Madison. So imagine Christ Church. But then riots started as a part of it, and persecutions began, which forced Paul and Timothy and his buddies to leave. And the little church plant began to face extreme obstacles, really, really hard ones, so intense that some people had died. And it's in this context that Paul, who was forced to be separate from these people, is writing them a letter. So the Bible is extremely human. This is not something that's just like, Again, a philosophy or a way of life, if you're new to the scriptures, this is something deeply coming out of history in our humanity. Look with me at verse 17, chapter 2. But since we were torn away from you, brothers and sisters, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. So this community has been torn apart. Paul clearly points out that there are obstacles. Do you notice that? And I think it's interesting that he says that Satan has hindered us. So he notices that there are even forces at work to try to keep these people apart. And what were they hindered from? They were hindered from meeting face to face, from being together, from their communal life. None of us have bled and died um, or been persecuted in that sense in 2020, but we understand the idea that we have been hindered from meeting together, amen? We get it, we've been torn apart. Maybe you identify with Paul when he's writing this. So he goes on, look with me at chapter three, verse one. 
Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we're destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Don't you just love the warmth and the affection here from Paul? This is such an amazing passage. The sheer devotion to the fellowship. Paul loves these people. Um, He knows the people love him. And you can hear what he's worried about is that in their separation and absence, that the gospel is losing its, its beauty and its power in their life. He's worried that they're being moved. But do you see how their devotion to the fellowship here manifests itself in tenacity and creativity? What Paul and his friends don't say is, man, that's a bummer. That was really fun uh, meeting those people in Thessalonica, but I guess we'll just never see them again. Uh, Yeah, that was a good run while we had it. Or yeah, well, I don't know. We'll just have to come back way later and see how things are. And like, we'll wait for another season to, to check in on those people and continue our bond with them. No, twice Paul says, when we could bear it no longer. Uh, The impression you get is of Paul just being like, that's it, I can't handle it anymore. Like, I don't care what I have to do, we have to get back to these people. We have to see them face to face somehow. The religious and political leaders may have persecuted them, may have split them up, but the church is tenacious, not so easily dispelled. And I hope you can see that just coming through in their emotions for one another, their love for each other. And then also they get creative. Obviously, in an ideal world, uh, Paul would have wanted to see them face to face because he's the one who sang how much he wanted to, but that wasn't possible for whatever reason. And this is super important. I'll talk about this in a second in case you're worried I'm about to say like, so forget all rules right now. Let's just do whatever we want. For the church, being tenacious does not mean being foolish. Let me say that again. Being tenacious does not mean being foolish, but they got creative. That's why I love the pairing of those words. What they did was Paul decided to be best for him to stay behind and they sent one person. It's almost like this is a gross application of this text, but they just have a shorter meeting. They have a smaller meeting group. (laughs) It's like, we can't all be together, but at least some of us can. And we can continue to throw fire and coals on our communal life together and the fire of our unity. And we can understand this too. Um, We are in a different situation and yet we've had to be creative. We've had to Zoom. I'm speaking into a tiny little camera right now in a living room, so I get this to a certain extent. There's some creativity happening for the church. They're getting through it. So let's finish it out because it just gets better and better and better. Maybe you'll want to just read this whole book this week, just thinking about the richness of all this. So I'm in chapter three, verse six now. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. Do you see what's happening? Timothy's come back and said, Paul, they love you. They have the same feelings towards you as you have towards them. They have not moved in their faith and they want to see you too. 
the joy that would have brought for Paul. Verse seven, for this reason, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we've been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So Paul is praying every day, Lord, help us to see each other again. And then I love how he finishes it. It's not just a human thing. Here, how he totally sees himself in the sovereignty of God in all of this situation. Verse 11, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Puts it all in God's hands. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Hear that, that vocabulary there about the distinction of the people of Israel and the distinction of the church. May establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. His scope for history is way larger, but I love how he finishes there, just putting it all in God's hands. What a passage. In the face of all the obstacles, they are absolutely holding fast in affliction. That's the words Paul uses. They continue to be devoted to each other through creative ways, and they are tenacious. They are praying day and night to the Lord that they would direct their way to be able to meet face to face. What a picture of love, tenacity, and creativity. It was true in the Old Testament. It was true in the new, and it has been true of the church throughout history. Um, one of our parishioners, Max Pointner, works for a magazine that is all focused on Christian history and church history. And their latest edition is all about the history of the church through plagues and epidemics. And I've had the chance to read that this week, and it has been amazing. Uh, I highly recommend it. And Max has agreed to give every single person in our church a free subscription to his magazine. Just kidding, that's not true. Uh, but I'm sure if you reach out to him, uh, maybe he'll find one or track one down for you. But I've read about the church in the Black Plague in the very early church in the first centuries after Jesus, uh, cholera epidemics, Spanish influenza, all the different ones. It is fascinating to read. We are not alone in this. We are not alone in this. Read Paul and the way that the early church had such far more immense obstacles than we do. That just gives me so much joy. Oh, that's my inheritance. This is my birthright as the people of God, is this tenacity and creativity. And even now, brothers and sisters, again, it's new to us. It's not new to history. It's also not new to the global church. Even now, around the world, 2020 has brought nothing new to the obstacles of meeting together. We have brothers and sisters in countries where they are not allowed to meet there are house churches in India and in other parts of the Middle East where they can't even say until right up to the point they meet where they're meeting because they have to keep it under lock. Otherwise, people are going to find out and kill or beat them up or send them to prison. And even when they do get in a house to meet, they have to close the blinds so that no one sees them. And I know of cases where people have been caught and beaten for meeting in a house church and they are back the next week. And thus the church grows. I hope you see the church doesn't get squashed out by that. When people fight to meet in a house church to lift up the name of Jesus Christ in the middle of a place, 
and people persecute them, it's the same thing that happened to Israel and Egypt. They just grow. The light of the gospel just spreads. That is tenacious and creative community. Now, what about us? What about us? When we read 1 Thessalonians, do we recognize ourselves? Do we as the American church embody this longing and devotion to the fellowship? Do we embody this tenacity and creativity in the face of obstacles? Do we pray night and day that we might see each other face to face? Do we pray night and day for the faith of our brothers and sisters on the other side of the void of distance? that their faith might remain steadfast. That'd be like praying for the other people in the church that you have not talked to for eight months and you're praying on your knees, oh Lord, strengthen their faith in the gospel that they might not be moved in whatever affliction they're in right now. One of our values as a church is that we're committed to deep communion, which is a Christ Church Madison way of saying devoted to the fellowship. <laughs> Um, devoted to the fellowship would be a great value. Uh, maybe we should change it to that, but it's all the same. Is that an actual value of our church? I cannot answer all those questions for us. But first, I do want to say how proud I am of our church, of you all, because I think we can answer yes to a lot of those questions. I have watched many of you over the past, how many months has it been since March? Who knows? <laughs> Feels like way longer than that. I have watched so many of you be tenacious and creative. You have gotten on Zoom so many times, even if you hate Zoom. Some of you don't even like computers and you allowed yourself to be taught how to use Zoom so that you could do stuff or enter into the live stream. I've seen many of you create community and reach out to people on the other side of the void, of the distance, to make them feel connected to the body of Christ. I've seen people get together in socially distant, safe ways, in such creative and bizarre ways. I've watched you all be devoted to the fellowship. The only reason Christ Church Madison is alive today and we exist is because our church, you all, have been tenacious and creative. Praise God. I'm glad to say that right now our, our church has a lot of momentum and we are in a place of strength, not weakness. And that is because you all are embodying our birthright. You are embodying things that the church has been doing and participating in because of the spirit of God since her inception. But also reading 1 Thessalonians, considering the history of the church, I think we as a local church and as the American church altogether, if we're honest, if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable for a second, probably should answer no to some of those questions as well. It doesn't cancel out the yes. This is just us being open to Jesus challenging us this morning. I think these things reveal a lot to us about our church as we read this text, as we think about history. As Americans, we are so spoiled with options and opportunities for church. Utterly spoiled. 
we're so pandered to by how entertaining and how slick church has become. And if it isn't really good, or if it's a nuisance to our schedule in any way, we bail. This is not a new critique of the American church. It's just one that's been validated by 2020 and kind of the things that have happened. But we are absolutely, in many ways, as a national church, more consumers than we are committed to the fellowship. We just need to be open to that challenge from the Lord this morning. Sometimes we're more interested in being entertained than being bound to our brothers and sisters, being told that we actually have a responsibility to the other people in our community. Also, I think this reveals to us, and I'll be the first to admit this as a pastor, that sometimes we're just too rigid in the way that we think church has to be. Uh, we're not creative. And uh, I'm so thrilled that if, if you would have watched my like thought dialogue in 2020, it immediately started with, as soon as I heard it, like, we're never not going to meet. <laughs> like, that'll never, ever happen. Like, four days later, like, okay, we're not going to meet. So what are we going to do? And then like, well, we're never going to do it this way. And then like, sure enough, we had to be creative and figure something else out. That is awesome. Um, when you read Acts 2 and you see that they're devoted to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, to the prayers, to the apostles' teaching, the skeleton, the outside of the church, how it looks and how it actually practices can change so dramatically in so many different ways overnight even and still retain that bleeding heart of what the church is committed to. Um, and this has forced us to do that. And honestly, I think there's some ways where our American church has uh, just depended too much on big productions or nice churches. And you know, I know we're in a gym, but still we have a kind of a production, but we figured it out. This is forcing us to be creative. And then at the end of the day, I think it just reveals to us what the posture of our heart is towards the people of God. Do we think about the church community the same way that Jesus would have us think? Um, when I was getting my master's, one of my best friends was an African guy from Rwanda. And I was deeply challenged watching the way that he lived out his life and education and the way that myself and my American peers uh, thought about our degree. So my friend saved up money. People in his community sacrificed greatly to send him to be able to sit in the class that I was a part of. He had a wife and he had kids and he did not see them for years so he could sit in class. Do you think he skipped class? Never. Probably not. Do you think he was on BuzzFeed on his phone or his computer during a lecture when he was learning about the prophet Ezekiel or how to read and interpret and teach the scriptures? No, he was not. Meanwhile, me and other students with me are holding it utterly lightly. Going to class is a burden. It's like, I can't even, like, ah scrolling through Twitter during every lecture, many of us getting degrees, not because we cared, but because we had nothing else better to do. I say that with the conviction being on me, not other people. What a difference, right? My American peers and I drunk on opportunity and options. Took it for granted. My Rwandan friend did not. Why do our brothers and sisters globally risk their lives to meet. And in America, it has to be so polished and so shiny and engaging and non-intrusive to us for us to even consider it. I don't know the answer to that question fully, but I know who I want to emulate, right? 
I know what team I want to be on. I know what I want our church to feel like. I know what I want the bleeding heart of our community to be. Jesus said, who are my mother, my mothers and my brothers and my sisters? Whoever does the will of my father. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And day by day, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So I'll leave you with a charge and an application. The charge is this. Now is the time for a tenacious and creative community. If you're hearing all these things and you're like, wow, that must have been crazy for the church to have to go through that. Well, you're in one and you're going through it. And now is the time. How exciting is that? Now is the time to live into our God-given inheritance as the people of God. To be devoted to the fellowship, to be committed to deep communion. Coronavirus could go on for two more years. It could even get worse. Political divisions could get worse and more violent. Even if that were to happen, no obstacle is too great. Amen? Our community and our love for one another cannot be so easily dispelled. We need each other right now. We need to have the gospel spoken over us by each other. We need to have people's shoulders close to us to help bear our burdens for one another. There should be so much burden sharing happening right now in the people of God. And again, this does not mean we must be foolish, all right? So the, uh, the application of this is not to have like a mask burning party or to break all the rules or to disagree with the government and what's happening right now. It's absolutely not the case. Tenacity and creativity is something else entirely. What it does mean is that we're not to be ruled by fear or by isolation. Remember last week, the theme of last week was we don't wait four months and then think about the harvest of mission. It's right now. Well, there's a lot of things right now that should said, we'll do that next year when we have a vaccine or we wait. Uh, we'll cancel this. We'll just wait to do this because it's not as good online. We're just not going to do it right now. And what I want you to hear from the charge of this is that we cannot wait on Christian community. You can figure out a way to do it creatively and safe. Uh, there's a lot of technology that we're blessed with to have, but we can't wait on it. We do something. We get creative. That's the charge. I'm excited about that, being tenacious and creative. The application is one of the most shameless plugs I've ever given in my entire life as a pastor. The application is join a small group. <laughs> um, and I just fully own the audacity of how shameless that is. Uh, however, just because it's shameless doesn't mean there's an actual connection, okay? Um, right now, there's not a way for a lot of us to get together and meet. And one of the ways that we are getting creative is by being in small groups together where we can meet. Uh, the format we're going to have, these are opening up in about two weeks. The format, they're going to be less than 10. So fully under the guidelines of Dane County. Um, most of them are going to be in person. Some of them will be in Zoom because it's right for some people and by their conscience to not meet in person, but to continue to be over Zoom or find other ways to be creative. Uh, but we are very open for these to be tenacious and creative little communities. Um, we're going to be studying the book of Daniel, which is about uh, a godly person who in the middle of so much political turmoil and craziness and turnover and persecution was this image of faithful, prayer-filled, deeply rooted in the spirit and power of God person 
um, that was in the middle of it all. And he was this presence of stillness and courage and wisdom. And so we're going to be in our small groups, sinking our teeth into that, that together to look at that and to glean from those scriptures. It's going to be so good. So the reason to join is not because it's convenient, even though I think it won't be that inconvenient. The reason to, to, to join is not because everybody there is your best friend or because it's going to like, you know, there's a lot of reasons that are the wrong reasons to join a small group. The reason you would want to join is because you want to be participating in the body of Christ. You want to be close to Jesus. You want to tap into what it means to be in a people in the midst of crisis that embodies the culture and kingdom of God. This is our birthright. This is something that is so significant. Just here, that if you are leading one of these or you're participating in one of them, it is not trivial. When you tap into a Zoom call to lift up the name of Jesus and to come closer together as the body of Christ, you are doing something extremely significant. So get excited. Now is the time for tenacious and creative community. And again, we'll talk about that a little bit more in our announcements, but would you just close with me in prayer as we uh, enter into the rest of our service? Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you for your scriptures this morning. We thank you for your picture in, in 1 Thessalonians. Oh Lord, would you give us that deep joy and that deep love and that deep bond and communion that the church in Thessalonica had. Lord, we need the power of your spirit. We need the vision and the excitement of the mission of God to recapture our imagination. And Lord, we pray that you would give us the tenacity and creativity that you have always given to your people in the face of these obstacles. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.